All right, we're live, guys. This is Since Then, Episode 2, and I have here Chris London. Yeah. All right, sir. Uh, why don't you give everyone an introduction? Uh, yeah, I'm Chris London. Um, born and raised here in Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Uh, from Big Rapids originally. Ooh. Moved around a little bit. Um, went to the Army. I think I was 19 when I went off, went off to basic. Um, got out. Did some other stuff. Ooh, other, what's other stuff? Uh, well, right before I went to the military, I uh, did some firefighting, got involved with firefighting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took basic fire one, two courses, um, got involved with the volunteer fire department. And then uh, that was kind of my goal for when I got out of the military was uh, to get back into doing that. So uh, right after I got out, I went to uh, college up in Cadillac. For my, I got my EMT there, and I started working in wow. uh, part-time EMS for two different companies um, until, and the goal was just trying to get towards a full-time fire department, which I eventually did. Dang, double threat. Yeah, and then uh, and then I moved on from there. <laughs> I moved on, okay. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, how long has it been since since your military career? Uh, so it started in, I actually enlisted in t- 2011. Okay. Uh, I didn't go to basic until 2012 just because of the delayed entry program. Dang. Um, and then I was active for three and a half. Uh, so I got out in 2015, uh, but I stayed, I re-enlisted into the National Guard, um, so I was, I'm still in. Oh, you're still Nash- in? Yeah, still in the Army National Guard. Ooh, uh, nasty girls, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's a, it's, a, it's a different breed. It's much different in many ways, but maybe that's just the units I've been. Better? Much better? Um, much more relaxed. Much more relaxed. And I'm sure to the despise of many, uh, many active guys out there, but... You know, when, when you're going, you're only going to drill, you know, two, three days a month and then two weeks in the summer, like, nobody wants to go to drill and it just suck all the time. Yeah, I mean, if you if you have to do something and you're, you're required by contract to do it and you only have to do it every two weeks, you're like, eh, it's, it's, it's not bad. It, for anybody that's not willing to stay in active duty, I, I would definitely recommend looking into options for uh, the Army and Air Force National Guard or any other reserve unit because... There's no other part-time job in the world where you can get uh, a partial pension, health care, cheap health care, potential retirement health care benefits. Mm, that's big money numbers. Yeah, you got you to think long, long-term. Long, long-term. long-term. Good. Yeah. Awesome, man. That sounds like a, a solid uh, a solid military career. So what are you, what are you doing now? Uh, now I'm a public safety officer for a decent-sized city in, in Michigan. Okay. Um, so I'm a law enforcement officer, and then we also do, yeah, and we also do uh, firefighting and uh, medical first response. So for you, this is like your bread and butter. So military, EMS, fire, and now you're just being a, a civilian officer. Yeah, uh, I would definitely say everything I did up to this point um, has definitely helped out and led, um, given me skills that were very um, sought after really helped me out in starting uh, my current job, the the working EMS. um, It was in a rural area, but being an EMT with a paramedic in a rural area, you get to do a lot. Um, You got to handle a lot of things. And then when I I was full-time fire um, for three years, so a decent amount of uh, fire experience. Um, And then the military, um, I mean, it's military and police work don't exactly just cross over, right? But there's, of, guns, right? but there's a lot of skills, uh, tactics, uh, weapons knowledge, you know, it's, uh, 
it's interesting going through like police academy and stuff. Post military. Post, I yeah. You always hear those stories about guys that go to college after, you know, they've been in the military and it's just like they're in class with a bunch of eighteen year olds. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like that. Gap. Yeah, it's definitely generation gap, uh, a knowledge gap for sure. But it's more for me, I would say, life experience gap. Yeah, um, and I think life experiences are huge, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But yeah, you know, get out of your hometown. You know, even if even if you come back, get out, see parts of the world, parts of the country, experience different cultures, different ways of thinking. Yeah. It's it's all very very important because if you just sit in one area, like that's all you're ever gonna know. Yeah, and um, your your perspective size is so small. Yeah, I open that lens up. Open yeah. that perspective. Lens. If you live in a town of a thousand, that's a thousand. That's it. That's all you know. Just a thousand people. Anyway, sir, so it's been a pretty interesting ride for you, sir. So what do you think mattered to you back then? Uh, going into the military? No, it's going into the military. Like, you sign the dotted line, you're like, man, this is my calling. Or not. So I'll give you a little a little further backstory yeah, on that. Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> So I, w- I was homeschooled. Oh. Yeah, uh, all the way through high school. Did you love uh, No, I no. didn't love it. I gotta, you have a lot of friends? No. Teachers okay? They're all right. No. Do you ever get grounded from school? Uh, no, 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 no snow days. Get suspended? No snow days. No suspensions. You suspensions get, are the best. You just got to do it all. Um, you stay home. So my senior year of high school, I went to a uh, uh, career center through the local uh, intermediate school district for because I wanted to, originally I wanted to be a police officer. So I went there for the public safety program, and that's where I introduced the firefighting. Um, so. Everybody in my family has a college degree. I mean, my dad, my mom, Unlocked brothers, sisters. I'm currently the only one that I know of in my immediate family that uh, does not have a college degree. But college isn't everything. <clears throat> but uh, I went to Ferris, which uh, Ferris State University is. Ferris Baylor? No, Ferris State University. Where's that? Uh, it's in my hometown, Big Rapids. Oh. And uh, they have a they have a pretty good uh, criminal justice program because okay. again, I wanted to originally go into law enforcement. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I went to school there for about a month, and I hated it. Oh. And uh, I withdrew. Um, you know, I had to pay back. Um, I, it was still within some windows, but I had to pay some money back. Uh, but I so I withdrew and I enlisted in the army. Wow! Because I just same day. <clears throat> I was close. I don't <laughs> think it was the same day, but it was close. This is not it. <laughs> yeah. So. Else. I really didn't want to go to school at that time, and the military was always something that I was attracted to. Um, you know, just watching watching movies and TV, and you know, I remember watching um, you know the invasion of Iraq when I was a kid. I, I remember seeing the towers fall. Um, so it was, that was, I felt a call for service, um, and I just I wanted to go out and get out of my hometown and experience things and serve my country at the same time, which probably sounds pretty cliche, but... No, I mean, a lot of people want to do that. They want to have a bigger purpose, and that's a good way to do it. I mean, some yeah. people like the Peace Corps, some people like the military. Well, I mean, like, yeah, I don't fault anybody for what routes they take, because so much of life is trial and error. So and you took a route. I mean, it's better than staying in your hometown. I mean, the gas station always needs people to run. That is true, but... Doesn't mean it you has only get, to be you. You only get so far working. You know, it's a it's a stepping stone. Everywhere change pretty fast. Every everywhere is a stepping stone. 
everywhere I can be a stepping mm-hmm. stone if you choose to step. Absolutely, and that's choosing to make that step and be, you know, be all that you can be, but going further and progressing yourself and being, yeah. I mean, what's, what's the point of life if we're not trying to get better all the time? Right, so you want to be a poho, and then you tried to do the school route for that, and then you hated it immediately. Uh, yeah, I hated college. It was terrible. Did um, you, do you remember any of that schooling? Does it seem like the stuff you're doing now? Uh, so that was in the very first semester, and uh, I don't think we even got into any criminal justice stuff. Oh, you were doing so, like math still? It was, it was basic stuff. It was, you know, it was like, a, I don't know, an English 150, a math something. Uh, yeah. There's a psychology or something. And So if your parents taught it, would it be better for you? No. Okay. So no homeschool police <laughs> learning? No. Okay. <clears throat> but I also, when I, as I went progressed through that uh, public safety program in high school, I found out that firefighting seemed way more fun. Oh, yeah. Um, Running right burning buildings, so six-pack, <clears throat> calendars, you know. No. Um, fireman so calendar. My Where's that? Where's your fireman calendar? No, I don't, I don't have one. Yeah. I, uh, uh, oh, oh, that's puzzle. That's, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah. it, my my desire to do law enforcement kind of dropped off, mm-hmm. and the fire in, uh, interest increased dramatically. Um, and but the thing was, I knew firefighting and law enforcement; th- those are always going to be there. And there was stuff going on in the world that I wanted to go into the military now um, and, and accomplish some things and make feel like I made a difference. Dang. So and okay. I think I you know people can say whatever they want about. Who cares? Who cares? Places and things, things, but uh, I feel like we did something and made a difference. So heck yeah, I'm I'm not not ashamed of it. No man. So you you chose the military. What about your parents? What what do they think? Um, Homeschooled for so many years. Everyone's got a a criminal justice type degree, right? Degree at least. No, uh, I'm the first one in my family to do, other than like a great uncle somewhere. uh, I'm the first one to do like stuff okay so everyone else just does whatever things yeah this okay. is a, a mix of things but when i first went to the military um my dad was not very happy oh, about yeah. it did he expect college of you uh yes so interesting schooling was very uh very much i don't say pressured but mm. suggested and guided um and my my dad had been in the military um and he was always a very strong Strong proponent of having um, a strong military discipline, but not his kids, I guess. Interesting. And so he wanted to be the guy, not you guys. I guess I don't think he had the greatest experience uh, when hmm. he was in the military, but it was interesting to see as time progressed and as I went through the military and deployed and came back, and his perspective changed quite a bit. Oh. Um, and he's. Is a, I would almost say it was a 180. Um, and it was just, you know, I think that was eye-opening for him also. Awesome, man. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty cool. So you, you chose a different path, you know, whatever your parents said, what was expected of you, and you said, I want to do this. I feel my purpose is this way. Damn, bro. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's important um, to choose your own path. And, you know, we, we all, everybody needs guidance and pushes here and there um, and, and you need those people to like 
not everybody always knows once what they want to do. I mean, one of my brothers, I think, changed his like major in college like ten times or something. Uh, but you know, and it's life is trial and error, so you can't always just stay in your hometown or just do what somebody else expects you to do because the other thing is you gotta be happy doing yeah. what you're doing. Um, yeah, man, that mattered to you. That really did matter to you. Happiness and a sense of purpose mattered to you, and you feel like you were lacking that before. Yeah. So, what matters now, man? Do you feel like you got those things? Yeah, um, I definitely got a sense of purpose out of uh, my service, active army, um, and I think that's part of the reason I stayed in uh, in the National Guard because uh, you can you're, you're still serving, but you can still come back and do what you want to do on the civilian side. Um, so you can still serve your country, um, and. Again, there's a lot of great benefits and, you know, just education benefits, all those types of things. Because now, even though as much as I hated college, I've started to take online classes and do online school in the meantime. Because in today's world, uh, college and a degree is going to be extremely helpful in any potential progression or uh, other lines of work you want to do. Um, but my focus has, especially recently, because I started this new job within the last year, so there's a lot Public of... Public safety, obviously. Yes, there's a lot, a lot of training. Um, yeah, it's, and it's it's very rigorous. Lots of training, multiple steps and phases that you have to get through and pass all of them. And it's not, you know, not everybody passes all those steps. Um, so my focus has been there, but the reason I'm I'm still in public safety and still in the National Guard is because I still have that call for service I guess like I, yeah, that I, drive. I like I like helping people it's it's awesome to be there on somebody's worst day and be able to help them you know fix a problem or be there for somebody oh yeah um, man. and it's yeah there's I don't know not the greatest with words no, man, it's fine. so so you're telling you, I feel like you're saying that right now you still have that happiness that you're getting and your sense of duty is being fulfilled Yes, it's uh, so it matters. Like you're doing exactly what you want to do. Like it's what it's, makes you happy. You're you're crushing it. Right, and if and I mean, what's that old saying? You know, if if what you do makes you happy, or if you're happy at work, do you even really work a day in your life? I mean, a lot of days, is, you know, you're, you still feel like you're working, but there's there's a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction from what you're doing. And if you're not getting that, you know, what are you doing? Yeah, I think you gotta you gotta find out how what skills you need to get, what makes you happy, and how to be able to get there. Um, yeah, because that's if you're just do you, do you live to work or do you work to live? Right, dude. That's that's really that's really a profound statement. You gotta think about that and, and make that uh, make that your own. Make that your own, man. I am so stoked for you, bro. Like continuing <laughs> your own service, like doing. I appreciate that. No, do, doing what you what you need to do. I feel like you say you need to do this. Like it makes you a better person, and helping other people makes them better, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, ho- well, hopefully. I mean, this is yeah. all like theoretical well, here, but. Right. <laughs> and I mean, there's there's lots of different aspects, especially being public safety. You have three different jobs, basically. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. You do all three, right? Fireman, EMT, and popo. Yeah. Um, so there's multiple different types of reactions you get out of people depending on what type of line of work you're doing. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> either way, being able to, to help people 
No, but that's cool, man. I, I'm glad. I'm glad. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll transition. So, what's your perspective for between, you know, how you feel in the military and how you feel about the military now? So, like before you joined, what did you think? I mean, I guess I just thought it was really badass. Yeah. Did oh, did you have that scout video get you? You know, uh, when I went to Maps, uh, I originally went. I was just saying, I'm just gonna go with infantry. I get there and like we're all in this in the room and you know the head recruiter dude or whatever's there and he's like I know all y'all probably want infantry but guess what it's not available and we're all just like what how is infantry not available so yeah, really I sit down and I uh, you know you sit down individually and talk to these recruiter guys and and yeah they, they played me the scout video I was like sure oh I was like sure that looks cool and if you team, guys don't know like this the scout <laughs> video is like, the SF training video. Yeah. Like it's they not. they bullshitted they bait and switched everybody. They took the special forces guys video of all what they do, and they're like, "But this is scouts." Wink, wink. <laughs> so so um, you got suckered in with the ghillie suit, right? They you know, they pop, there's like three guys that pop up out of the grass. I was like, you know, that looks cool. Yeah, it does, it does, it does look cool. It does look cool. Did you do that? Uh, no ghillie suits. No ghillie suits. Oh, uh, you know what? I think you could take a small percentage of scouts, and some of them got to do those things. Um, so it worked out for some people. All right, all right. Before we go, over, explain what cavalry scout is to everybody who is dutifully uninformed. Oh man. Um, so not horses. Cavalry scout, nineteen deltas, the MOS in the army. Um, the history comes from riding horses. Right. The, the old cavalry. Right, the old cavalry back in the day, because uh, cap scouts are supposed to be highly mobile units. Um, maneuver. Maneuver. Uh, security elements. Um, and the problem is, by doctrine, what cap scouts do, we don't do anymore, because... You don't have horses. What, well, no. <laughs> that too. But what cap scouts are supposed to do is, in an atypical warfare, which is, you know, the USA is fighting another country. You know, it's uniformed army versus uniformed army. You have your main element moving out, and cap scouts are either the element that's out in front, and so they find the enemy first instead of just being ambushed, or they're along the flanks, and when the main element does take contact, they're highly mobile cavalry. They can move up, sweep across in a flanking movement, and then come back and do those types of things. Hmm. Um, that's kind of roughly by doctrine what cap scouts are supposed to do. So less foot power and more driving power i mean it depends there's for us i know we did both but <laughs> yes. in the traditional sense cavalry takes a humvee or an mrap or whatever type of vehicle yeah. to try to maneuver on the enemy in the best the best most tactical right. response and you know they're across the air like we were a light cav unit but there's I don't know if there's more, but there's definitely plenty of uh, heavy cab units, well, yeah, which is probably more specific to the atypical tech warfare type thing. Yeah, so our our fort base, whatever it was, 4th Brigade, turned into 2nd Brigade, and we were a light cab unit, so we used like Humvees and stuff like that, and MRAPs, and then they switched over to tanks, which would be technically heavy, so a heavy cavalry unit. So they're all running tanks where we used to live. <laughs> yeah. Glad they got out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Just the sound physical. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I wouldn't want to be stuck in a tank either. That seems crazy. And I hated being stuck in the back of an MRAP. So I can only imagine. I mean, you had a, you were driven around a Mat V, right? Uh, I started uh, with Jameson in yeah. Mat V, uh, and then I 
this Senior Scout truck, so I was driving the wrong magic girl and all the other giant tanks. Might as well be a damn tank. But you know, they're all right. Yeah. All right, man. So your perspective going in was you thought I was the fucking badass. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to save those people, right? Got, yeah. I got suckered in. God damn. All right, man. So what do you think now? What's your perspective nowadays? Um... <clears throat> So just like in so many things, I think it depends on the individual and what they make of it. You can you can go into the army and you can put in the whole effort and you can be that badass, or you can go in and be like, wow, this sucks, and have a poor attitude about everything, and you can do the bare minimum and you can be a shitty soldier and you can, you know, life can just suck and all you can do is wait for your ETS date. And, you know, you could be a drag on your fellow soldiers and your leadership, making their job harder, and then everything just sucks more. Um, I was not the stellar soldier on active duty. I'm sure, on, you, I'm sure you remember. Hey, honestly, <laughs> this guy right here, this guy was the soldier. No. Like, he did the no. book. Like, what was the book? He read it and then told you the book. He was proficient <laughs> in everything he needed to do and didn't have to be proficient in anything he didn't have to do. You were overly proficient in things yeah. you didn't have to do, man. <clears throat> I would that say was, that was your that was your style, man. Two what two lows, two people below you, two people above you, and you know their jobs. That yeah, was I think it's, uh, it's two levels down, one level up. I think is what they always said. So you, you can always fill in any gaps um, if you know somebody gets hurt or sick or something. You can always fill in their job, and then if your if your team leader or squad leader. Um, is out, you can fill in those positions because, I mean, it's a natural hierarchy. If something happens in war, somebody's got to, you know, Step up. the lieutenant gets taken out, somebody's got to be, be in charge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, somebody's usually else is already in charge. Anyway. Yeah, but I mean, but you were that guy. Honestly, I, I remember you being that guy. Like, if anyone was squared away, had the right, right shit on, doing the right thing, it was you. I never seen you do anything wrong. Well, that I knew about. <laughs> I, I, especially on deployment, um, I definitely tried to work hard. Um, I like my, the mentality I try to keep is I want to be, when I I walk into a room, I want to know that I'm the hardest working person in that room. And if I'm not, it better be because, you know, King over here is working 10 times harder than me and I'm just like, wow. And I applaud that and. But I, I don't want to be outworked by the people that are just doing. Know, I can't be doing mediocre, right? No, no you got to be doing above average. So working hard, um, being proficient in things you know you need to be proficient in, because I mean, in war, it's literally life or death. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, if, if King over here was a shitty medic, yeah. you know, somebody could have died. Yeah, well, I mean, people did die, but thank God it's not in my hands. I was too late before I even happened, man. Anyways, you, you fucking crushed it. You crushed the deployment, man. What do you what did you think about deployment? I'm just trying to reminisce, man. Like yeah. I remember we hung out, we had some talks at night. We didn't really see each other that much. Yeah, so you stayed over there with the command, you know, yeah. in the not so smelly barracks. I had uh, I had my bubble. You had your bubble. Which I mean, you know, that's all right. Uh, you deserve it. Uh, deployment was Honestly, um, so right when I came to Fort Stewart, uh, Georgia, yeah, oof. well, I got done with OSED at Fort Benning, 
And then they're like, oh, yeah, you're just going down the road. I'm not a big fan of the South. The humidity kills me. But uh, we get there, and it was like in two weeks we were going to JRTC. And they're like, yeah, we're deploying to Afghanistan. And I, was, and I was stoked. I was like, woo. And then I had this realization. I'm like, it's 2013. It's been 12 years since we went to Afghanistan. I was like, and then I, I heard the stories from the guys in the unit who had deployed the last time to Iraq, and they just sat in a tower, and they guarded a, they guarded a, a a CP or something. Be real. Where you at? <laughs> um, and I was like, great. Like, we're literally gonna go over there and sit in a tower for nine months. And we got there, and I was like, okay, wow. We're actually. It started out slow. We did a lot of that route clearance, security yeah. crap, and then the airfield got hit, and you know the op tempo skyrocketed. I remember that. I remember. I remember getting to Fort Stewart in about October 2012, and I'd gotten there and talked about the previous deployment and I was like man I am never going on deployment no one has ever heard of this base on that I am in the <laughs> middle of the swamp I don't know where the hell anything is and I'm in the complete opposite side of the United States from where I used to live mm -hmm. and I'm like this I mean it was less of a culture shock and more just like a, a realization that I'm stuck in a swamp and I'm gonna hate my life so I'm sitting there in October and November and then all of a sudden like in a couple months like December hits we got all back uh, go on leave and then we come back and all of a sudden like, everyone's like hey man um, we got orders I was like orders for what deployment I was like where no no you're lying <laughs> Afghanistan I was like we're still going over there don't lie to me and I was like no way and I got like stuck in uh, stuck on with you guys and you came over right afterwards but I was brand new and I was like no idea what's going on and we went to GRTC and I was like this is this is fun I'm joking it was terrible it's just more swamp than the GRTC <laughs> Yeah, you go from one swamp to a different swamp, and you expect it to be different. Now, I'll tell you what: the mosquitoes are just the same size. They're, they're giant. They fly. They hit you, and that's what I remember from that base. And then, you know, going into going into deployment, I remember getting off the plane and then hearing rockets hit the ground, and I went, "Huh?" Everyone's like, "Get down!" I'm like, "Get down for what? <laughs> Get down for who?" Why am I on the ground? And uh, yeah, people were you know launching rockets at us, and they nicknamed that place Rocket City. So it was lit. It was uh, it was definitely lit over there. And yeah. My perspective changed immediately. I went, okay, this is not a lackadaisical place where we're just sitting around and doing something, like sitting doing nothing, and you know, sitting on our toes. Like this is some active engagement. So people are literally trying to kill us as we speak, every single minute of every single day. I mean, it's, it's crazy how you get so immune to it also. Because as we, you know, when the Fob Shank was nicknamed Rocket City, because I think it was the most hit base no, ever. In, between Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, the most hit with indirect fire at it. I, I honestly, over there. I think Israel is probably the only one who's got rocketed more than us. Maybe Syria lately, but holy fucking shit. It was, it was every day. Every day. Multiple times, multiple times a day, and you know what you're supposed to do when this happens is they have all these little concrete bunkers. Well, CBs created those. Yeah, that's the Navy. So, so the alarm goes up. There's you know this incoming radar, and the alarm goes off, and everybody's supposed to run over. Well, I mean, I don't know. By the last four, I mean halfway through, I don't know. Everybody just kind of like it'd be the middle of the night. We you know we just probably got back an hour or two later uh, earlier from our you know whatever patrol we were doing. And this crap goes off, and everybody just kind of like decided at one point, like we're just gonna lay there 
and then like you didn't hear a boom or it was nowhere close to you the tent's still in one piece and we're just like man and then like the platoon sergeant comes through and he just like makes sure everybody's still in their bunk he's like you good you good okay go back to sleep i mean the thing to do after a certain point of like you know you go out there and you have kinetic contact people are shooting at you people are trying to blow you up and you go back to your base and people are still trying to blow you up but like the chances are really slim this is a 10 square mile base and these rockets are maybe this big maybe this big just depends on which ones they shoot at you and you're like well i can hear it and it goes if you hear no sound, yeah, then you get down because it's coming on you. But if you keep hearing, a, you're good. Just wait for the boom and just hope it's not you. And we did yeah. that after a while because you, you don't care. You just you you don't care anymore. Well, you you're get, numb to it. You get so uh, desensitized to it. Yeah. And I, I think you know you also get to a point where you're, you're just like, I mean, I'm on the base. The rocket's gonna hit me today. The rocket's gonna hit me today. And me getting on the ground really isn't gonna change a whole lot. No, <laughs> but it does bring up a, an important point. Of not getting, you know, too complacent. Not getting complacent. Yeah. Um, and I mean, did you feel complacent? I feel like we started to in uh, the last month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially when we were doing the handoff, um, and I felt that like a little bit within our platoon, but then also across the whole squadron, I felt like that was happening with some events that occurred. I mean, if you're done, you're done. We had a, a nine-month deployment, and I would say roughly about six months of that was nonstop missions, days on end, firefights back-to-back, IEDs, all the fun stuff, like all the stuff that you would say a deployment is worth. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I've talked to other guys, and I mean, by no means would I say our deployment is like... The near no, the top no, of It's just a deployment. Conflict, but we are regular soldiers. We did, so. Right, we, we had a regular mission. We were responsible for an AO. We were the battle space owners for that. That's what we did. The mission was mostly counter IDF. So it was go sit. Counter indirect fire. That's the people shooting rocket. We were out there. Go sit. Sit in this there. area, which is a, a known area where they set up their mortars or their rockets. Sit out there to deter them from shooting rockets. And so it was a lot of long days. Um, Sitting. Six, you know, 16 hours in NAI, named area of interest. There's like three that you gotta handle every day, so each platoon's in one. You know, it's it was busy. The op tempo yeah. was very high. Yeah, what I find interesting about that is our counter IDF. It seemed to be working for a second, and then it didn't because, like, I don't know if our 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 place got too complacent or the uh, enemy was always one step ahead. So they took the rockets in that main area of interest, and they would be shooting them from. Then we showed up, and they said, you know what? Let's check farther. So they go farther back to places that we've never been to, and then they shoot them from there, and then they still make it. And you go, how? Apparently, at one point, they were shooting the rockets outside the known, like, maximum effective range of the rockets. So they had figured out these things better than the manufacturers. That is persistence. And the the other thing, too, with that is... The, the squadron owns this area, but you can only you can only be in out so long. You can only be in so many places at once. Mm-hmm. We're in their home. Yeah, you know, uh, it, you know, this area is not ours. It's foreign to us. We don't know all the nooks and crannies. You know, and you learn that as you go, and you try to, you know, when you take over for the last unit, they try to hand off 
good knowledge to you and you try to do the same for the next unit um, but and it's a it's a guerrilla warfare mm-hmm. you know it's it's so hard to combat uh, that type of warfare with with standard conventional conventional forces. yeah man that's armies. I mean we weren't in a conventional city we were in houses made of dirt I mean they were beautifully constructed sometimes but like we're literally fighting people who I mean, to say anything of a Western civilization over there is rough. Like, their houses were partially electrified by car batteries. If you were lucky, they might have one light in the entire house. Like, when lights go out, when the sun goes out, that's, that's dark. That's, that's it. it. That their day is over. You know, they have handheld hand held cell phones with the little buttons still. Sometimes that was great technology. And so these people... They didn't have things to occupy themselves with like we do in the Western world or, you know, more developed countries. Like this, this was back to, you know, kill or be killed. And that was their everyday existence. Like I farm or I get killed or I do this or I do that. And like there's only so many options. And finding people who are, you know, feels like killing your people. Yeah, for sure. I understand. I empathize with that. That's well, what they, you, you know, in that region cliche to say, everybody knows this, but they've been fighting there for hundreds mm-hmm. and thousands, thousands of years. Of years. And, and, people and, and we, you know, we found out that there were a lot of actually uh, what we believe were Syrian fighters coming over, um, which was a lot of who we were dealing with. And, I mean, those guys literally came over to fight. They have nothing better to do anyways. Um, yeah. So it's not like, you know, they have to worry about, oh yeah, you know, I can fight until 11 and then I gotta be back home because I gotta go plow the field. You know, it's no. They just came over to fight, and that's and it's. If you don't believe in your mission, you know, if if America and the soldiers don't believe in what's going on, you're never going to beat an enemy that believes. And you know, our enemy was so driven by their belief in you know the hatred of America and the Western civilization, uh, and that's what makes it so difficult. It does make it very difficult for, for anyone to do stuff. Like, even if it's just, like, we're not, we don't have to actively fight these people. There's almost zero times we went out of our way to attack somebody. Like, we were always the ones being attacked. But that was our position. Like, we were there to receive the contact and then take out the people who wanted to kill us. And there was other elements within, you know, the U.S. and other forces there that, that went and took it to the enemy. But that was not us. Like, we were there for intel. We were there to collect the stuff, talk to the people. But, yeah, we were there to be there for the people. That's what we were doing. That was the guys in the video that got to go do them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the guys in the, in, in the, in the SF cow, video. In the <laughs> cow video. I don't know why they still have it for the cavalry. Yeah, that's ridiculous. We did do uh, some cool operations here and there. We did. With, with uh, I mean, like, the FET, and I think we did some standby support for some SF guys one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, you knew those guys were going out. You'd know because it'd be the middle of the night and there'd be a C-130 Spectre gunship just circling and you'd know it was hell. <laughs> buzzing all night long. Yeah, man. But, I mean, that's that was their job. You know, yeah. they had our job, they had their job, and dang. And, if, and I think we did our job the best that we could with the resources we had available. I agree. I that's like people are always asking in all types of lines of work, like, do you think you are doing a good enough job? And in almost all cases, I'm doing a good enough job with the resources and time I have available. Yeah, I agree. 
I mean, everything you ever learned is, you know, part of you at some point in time, and you know, everything you ever done led you up to that moment. So you have all that information to act upon, and you choose whether to act with all the information you're given or not. Like you can care and go above and beyond, or you don't have to. But for us, as me specifically, I know you specifically, like we took all that information and then we tried to make the difference. We tried to, you know, be the person that you should be out there. I felt that. I felt like I was stretched thin all the time because I'm only one person, but damn if I wasn't going to try my hardest. I feel like I did. Yeah, man. Yeah. I feel like that was my perspective and uh, it was a plan back then. It was also, I mean, like, if I could sum it up in a phrase, yeah. it was the best, worst time. The best suck ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you it's very hard to find that type of camaraderie anywhere else. Um, but I mean, you're just, and life is relatively simple, um, you know, in, in our type of, I mean, and again, it's a totally different type of warfare than, you know, if you were in World War II and you're pushing across the fronts, you know, different. pushing your way to Germany. Like, no, we're, we're in an established base, there's an established supply line, you know, food's provided. Medical care is severely advanced. Oh my, it is years advanced. Right. Man. So, the, life the, for a, a regular soldier in, OEF 13, 12, 13, um, is fairly simple. It's just, there's still a suck of, you know, you, know, you have to go sit out put in the middle work. of nowhere for forever, need MREs. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, that's, that's some hard living, though. Damn, bro. Uh, what kept you sane during deployment? It was hard for me. I, wa- I watched a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. Yeah. Try to hit that nostalgia button as um, much as possible. You know, I think I read, I read some books. Um, I remember I read, uh, I think I read Lone Survivor while I was over there. Um, I think I before had started. Yeah, before, way before the movie. Definitely read the book before the movie because movies, in, in just in general, movies are always going to disappoint you in comparison to the book. Um, but. I don't remember doing a whole lot of different stuff. Uh, I know a lot of guys were watching a lot of TV shows and stuff like that. Playing video games. Yeah, we did. We did play some. We were setting up some local land parties on. What was it like an old PS3 or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people had their PS3s and the, the Xbox, and we did playing the Call of Duty and whatnot. I definitely tried to. I probably worked too much, honestly. As far as like downtime, I probably spent more time preparing for the next more so than I probably maybe should have. I don't know. But like whenever we had a mounted mission, you know, the drivers usually had to be out to the trucks like a half hour early or something. And I would usually be out there a half hour to 45 minutes before that because I wanted to make sure I had time to make sure everything on my truck was good. And if there was an issue, I had time to correct it or fix it or, you know, find a backup. Well, you were the lead truck for the most part, right? Yeah, I think it was... Three or four months in, um, I got moved to the Senior Scouts truck, which is an awesome place to be. I learned a ton um, from multiple different Senior Scouts, and it was, it was a good place to be. Uh, there was a lot of, res- as far as a driver goes, it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it's a lot of time putting this up. Like, I remember uh, helping the deal out every time I could, because I'm the medic. I just sit in the back of the truck, and in the back truck, that is, and I bring my bag. That's that's my job. I bring my bag, and when shit happens, I'm there. there. It, yeah, <laughs> no booze, but definitely cruising. Uh, 
Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, set, I help set up the truck as best possible because that is a huge responsibility for a driver. I'm like, my responsibilities happen when someone goes down. Thankfully, that barely ever happens. Oh, boy. Yeah, and that's, I think it's something um, all of us from uh, our platoon can all be proud of is the fact of how good of a job we did at avoiding IEDs, being safe, oh, yeah. maneuvering during contact, uh, the communications on the command level. Yeah, I think we, I think we as a platoon went above and beyond, especially for safety. When we're outside the wire, outside the base, we're out there in in the element. You know, we could die at any point in time. Always on the toes. Always thinking the right thing. No lackadaisical feeling. There was no uh, no room for error. I mean, there was room for error, but we made that room for error on our part, not their part, and that saved our lives. That saved all of our lives. Damn it, that's uh, that's good. So movies kept me sane for sure because we had a lot of a lot of walking. My ankle felt like it was going to explode at one point. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun stuff. Yeah, I, I remember. Uh, I remember watching just like stupid YouTube videos with like Guy and Um I remember annoying Bill by just like playing the same like I don't know Five Finger Death Punch or Volbeat album over yeah, and over. Yeah, I remember that album. <laughs> so much new music. Yeah. Well, and I mean, action. And we're back. With video. Yeah, with video. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I am literally the worst of this. That's okay. So, uh, yeah, man, this is going to be part two. There's going to be no video between the part one, but that's okay. That's okay. This is a podcast. If you want to hear it, you'll be here. So, yeah, man, we've been talking a lot about deployment and, and those fun times. All that fun stuff. So let's kind of change the subject a little bit. What you and I really like to talk about health because we're pretty healthy individuals and we strive for that. And so, really, what is health to you? So, to me, health is a couple of different things because um, it's a it's a combination of physical health and fitness, and you got to couple that with mental. Um, and I think as you increase your physical fitness, I think that helps your mental fitness. Really? Um, but being able to, you know, live, you know, to be able to get up and down uh, without too many aches and pains, you know, there's some things just come along the way. Um, but for me especially, to do, to do my job. Um, so, you know, whether that's the military, whether it's law enforcement or firefighting, it's a much higher demand than, not than all jobs, but from your average daily job. Um, and you got to be able to do your job. Otherwise, I mean, you're literally putting your life, your partner's lives, and the civilians that you're there to protect and serve at risk because you weren't fit enough, strong mm-hmm. enough to, to, to meet a certain level you know, I, I have a huge pet peeve for unfit first responders um, because, you know, as soon as you put that uniform on, and it's, to me it's the same for the military, law enforcement, firefighting, EMS, as soon as you put that uniform on, you, you lost the right to to make the decision to just not be in shape, you know, hmm. to, be, to be weak. Um, because... Why? What's that? Yeah, so why? Uh, because, again, because their job is to protect and serve, and... You know, if if my apartment is burning down, I expect that the people 
that are going to show up are going to be able to get to the door, get inside, and get me out and put the fire out. Um, and I, I would hope that would be the same expectation that everyone has for their family and their homes of their first responders that are showing up. So you want the best person for the job. Absolutely. Okay. It feels good, man. I like, I like hearing that. So health to you is, is about being a full person being able to do your job, feel good about it, and then be mentally clear enough to handle whatever responsibilities come your way. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because if you're fit enough to do your job, you're probably more than fit and healthy enough to uh, be happy in your physical activities or you know outside of work. I mean, a lot of things for me are work-driven, but um, being able I mean, just think about that. You want to be 40, 50 years old and have grandkids and you can't do anything with them because, you know, you're you're not healthy. Um, and I mean, and, you know, health crosses multiple, like I said, it's physical and mental, but, you know, that's, that's working out. That's what you eat, what you're putting in your body, um, you know, how much alcohol you drink, how much, drugs how much and how many drugs, you know, what, what type of drugs you do. What type of nutrients you're getting. Absolutely. could just be the asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> or a tiny protein when you do go see a doctor. Yeah. I usually or, worry more about the color. Oh, oh yeah. Ooh, dark red. Oof, brown. Rabdo. Red, you should probably call 911. Red. <laughs> if it's brown, rabdo, bad. You overdid Yeah, it. but you know what? It, it's really hard to do that. It's, it's pretty hard. Probably yeah. most people you don't even, be working most people probably don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> Rhabdomyolysis, guys. Google it. It turns you and your pee dark colors. Yeah, it's, uh, but you you gotta put in some serious effort to get there. These so. are the abs. But yeah, that, that seems uh, it seems kind of paramount, like health and uh, the first responder. And you gotta be able to do you and somebody else. You gotta be yeah. able to pick yourself and somebody else up. You know, this, that's well, a, and, and that's the most important part to me is. You know, if if I if I make stupid decisions with my life, uh, my health and fitness, and I get myself injured or killed, that's one thing. But you have a responsibility to everyone. Absolutely, and like as firefighters, you almost never do anything as a single person. You're always working in teams of two, almost always. Um, two guys put out a building. What? Probably more than that. Okay. But I'm saying, like, when you like split up in your little movies, it's like more than, it's like a well, no, no, no. But I'm saying, one's on the truck and hanging on. Right, but you don't send one dude inside with the hose line. You know, you don't send one dude here and then one dude over there. It's like, you send two guys over here and then you're going to send two guys do this or more. So you're always working in teams. If you get somebody else injured or killed, and it's one of your coworkers, one of your brothers or sisters, like, to me, that's the biggest failure because... What, what are those, you know, if it's your fault, like, what, how, just because you weren't in shape. Yeah, how are you supposed to live with yourself afterwards? Like, yeah, you could have done better, but you didn't. Right, and, and these are all things that are, like, you know, it's one thing to, you know, if you walk into a building and then the roof collapsed, like, okay, I can't control that. We can try to prevent that and look for signs of that, but, like, one thing that everybody in any job, any career, just everybody in general, one thing you have control of is your health and fitness. No, nobody's, part. right, but like nobody, like you don't have to have a gym membership to work out. No. You know, 
running on the road or the sidewalk is free. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's all types of... For every excuse, there's an actual tool. Absolutely. So, I mean, so you can excuse yourself out of the way of, of working out and being fit and healthy, especially in those fields. But at the end of the day, like, you are accountable to yourself and so many others, countless others. And if you are not at your best, at your peak, what are you doing? When the public expects, you know, the, the public doesn't care. Um, <laughs> the, you know, when they call 911, they expect... Uh, a brain surgeon, mm-hmm. you know, that's got, you know, you know, they just expect that I'm going to show up and solve all their problems. And I mean, that's, that's kind of fair. Yeah. That's, that's why they're calling me because they couldn't solve it a normal way. And now things have escalated and things are dangerous. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is like, I'm not a brain surgeon, but I'm trying, you know, I'm, I, I don't know everything about electricity, but I'm trying to stabilize this incident until the experts on this get here, you know, consumers energy shows up or whatever. Um, you know, but the public doesn't care because they expect when they call 911 that things are going to get solved. And, you know, we try our hardest to do that. And that's why you have to be so prepared physically, mentally, educationally. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot riding on it and the public expects that out of yeah, I'll tell you like one interesting statistic I always like to think about in reference is people in nursing homes, the majority of them cannot get up and down from the restroom. And I know you've experienced this, especially in your line of work um, and like falls and stuff like that. So leg strength, literal leg strength. If you cannot pick yourself up with your own two legs, you're more likely going to be in an assisted living facility and then you're more likely going to die faster. And it's so sad. It's so sad to know that there's people out there who don't want to use their legs. They don't want to squat at full depth because they think it's going to ruin their knees. What? In reality, they're going to die on the toilet like Elvis. Well, and you know what's something that's, that's crazy is it's something so, again, talking about like working out with no, you know, I can't afford to, I can't afford to go to the gym. Okay, guess what? Oh, I can't afford running shoes. Guess what? I got something for you. Just talk about getting up and down. Do burpees. Yeah. Just do burpees. You, yeah. you don't even have to jump. You're simply going down to the ground. Get down. Get back taking up. all your weight off and getting back up. Literally, life is getting up and getting back, you know, going down and getting back up. And, and like, that's the basic, most simple thing. You don't need any weights. You don't need any special shoes. You literally just need a place for you to lay down on the ground and get back up. And that's, that's what is the biggest hindrance, like you said, to... Uh, people, especially in nursing homes, that you know when they get older, is it's the first thing that starts to go. It, you know, they quite often you see they're they're losing their physical strength and ability before their mental cognizance. You know, mm-hmm. you know they're not. They might be mentally coherent, but as far as physically, they're like they're withering away. And right. One leads to another. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, something I was thinking about the other day is. In kind of tied with that leg strength is if if you can't use your body all the way, are you even a person? Like if you can't get all the way down the ground without some assistance, like are you even a human? Like can you even be a person? Like a person is to be able to do things like touch this and move this. Like that's the human condition. You're meant to like pick stuff up and you know throw it this way. All these kind of weird movements that you know, the body allows you to do. But if you can't do those, like you're not even being a full person. You're like 75% of a person. 
interesting about that one. No, it's a, and I don't know where, like where we've gone wrong. It seems like so many people um, are okay with mediocrity. Yeah, getting to that point of like, oh, somebody's just gonna take care of me. Like what? No, like I don't want somebody to have to come in and like bathe me with a sponge and wipe my ass for me. You don't like that, Rob? I think it's nice. I won't do that. I won't wipe my own ass. I, I agree. And it's kind of it's kind of uh, humiliating. And I mean, like everybody's gonna get to that point. Hopefully, the longer. You know, but but it's very sad when you see people in their fifties and even I mean sixties. Come on, like what is the average life expectancy now? I mean, it just keeps going up and up, right? It's actually gone down the last two days. Has it? It's actually gone well, down. that's saying something too. Yeah, well, I mean, no, it's probably excess carbohydrates in the diet and a lack of mobility. Yeah, well, we were talking about this the other day. Like, even people that work out, mobility and flexibility is a huge neglected area. Oh, yeah. Uh, amongst people that work out. Mm-hmm. So, even imagine people that don't work out, how much more that's neglected. And then back to health and what we're putting on our bodies, like, you know, like, oh, you know, you could eat. You can just not eat. Like the first thing I would tell people, stop drinking pop. Yeah. Or stop. soda. Sorry. Soda pop, Coke. Depends on what side of the U.S. Yeah, you're in. Wherever you're at. But stop drinking pop. Uh, stop eating fast food all the fucking time. Like it's just all the time. Um, and then to go along with that, like there's so much food in the American diet is so trash, sodium heavy. Bad carbohydrates, process, 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 and like I get it, like it, it sucks because like, you know, if you're you got kids and you both parents work or you're a single parent and there's not a lot of time, like it's easy to just take the, the short easy way out. Um, and I, I've seen that with with my work, you know, the, just the schedule we work. It's in between the days that we work. There's so little time in between. If you don't get out and make some planning it's very easy to take that easy way like oh i don't like i don't want to cook right before i go to bed so i'm just gonna swing by here like no it's you gotta be you gotta be disciplined and uh yeah not just take the easy way out it's hard for people man it's the, everyone's barking everyone's doing things hustling or bustling and they don't want to put that time in like honestly if you ask someone a normal person on the street hey what are you doing tomorrow for dinner uh, mm. you ask them, hey man, uh, what game's on tomorrow? Oh yeah, bro, it's the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, where, where are we pointing our, uh, our attention and our, you know, our efficiency in, in things that it's, you know, I think we're a little, and I don't know where the origin of that is, you know, does that, does that start when people are kids? Is that just a learned habit? Is it just all of the above? That's my opinion. I think it's all the above. I think people, if they want to change, they will. But without a reason to change, they're not going to. And they've seen previous generations do exactly the same thing as what they're doing. And they're like, eh, man, 70's fine. 80's fine. I'm nursing home at 70. I'm okay with that. And they see that example and they go, all right, yeah, I could live with that. I could retire at 60. Yeah, this, it's nursing just crazy. Nursing home at 70, to me. died at 8. It's just crazy to me. Like, yeah. that's just not, it's not okay. I don't, I don't want to live like that. No. And I think habits and routines are, are paramount to uh, longevity of health and, and really thinking about it and taking that extra second before you, you know, buy that meal and go, should I have this? 
is this the best thing for me? And I think, honestly, if you ask yourself the questions, you'll give yourself an answer. You won't, not always you'll like that answer, but you'll give yourself an answer. Just ask questions. Yeah. It's, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's super easy to, to fall into a funk and, you know, because you can be on the right track and, you know, I've fallen off the track and, but you pick yourself back up and get back on the right track. You know, there's, there's those cheat days or the falling off the wagon here and there, but like constant, am I moving forward? Instead of falling backwards. And, you know, and like, however you want to equate that, like, oh, look at the whole, you know, like, I, you might have a funk day, but look at the whole week. Did I do more good than bad this week to improve myself? And how can I do a little bit more good next week so I keep getting better and improving? Um, because nobody's perfect. Everybody's, yeah, yeah. everybody's always going to fall off the wagon. That's being a person. Absolutely. Fallible. Trial and error. Um, and you, you got to find what works for you, too. Yeah, you man, know? totally. I mean, I, I think we talked about this the other day, but I'm a really big proponent of a, the 1% rule and not the wealthy 1%. I'm talking about just 1% improvements each day. Just one thing, 1%. That's barely anything. You have 100% in your entire day. 1% of that goes to something bettering. And you think about that long term. There's how many days in a year? 365. You fuck off 65 of those. You still got 300% increase. Absolutely. I mean... I mean, 100% is better than 0%. So trying 1% each time, you know, it's yeah. still still monumentous. Breaking it down like that is just micro. Yeah, yeah. micro versus macro. It's, it's a big thought process. And, you know, people really don't want to take the time to do that. But those people who do, I feel like they succeed better. I feel like they're fitter, healthier, and have that mental acuity, that mental prowess to uh, go above and beyond. You know, when they do fall off, they can get back on a lot of the easier because – They've ridden that wagon for a while, and it's, yeah, it's pretty nice. Pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, what about fitness? Why is it important? <laughs> Everything we just said. <laughs> I mean, but like fitness. I mean, you can say it for your job or, or yeah. other stuff. I mean, it's, why is it important to you? To me, it's uh, it's important because of my work. Um, I, I don't want to let anybody, any of my coworkers down. I don't want to let the community, public down that I serve. Um, and I also... I mean, I don't want to be a slob. Yeah. Like, I, w- I want to be the best version of me that I can be because, you know, the healthier I am, the more fit I am, I feel better. I, I know you're, we're, everyone is more mentally sharp and cognizant. The fitter we are, the you know, mental and physical fitness is tied together, which also leads into the, you know, like, I don't know, I don't want to be early onset dementia. You know, when I'm 60 or something. So if I stay fit now and keep getting better and work and just, like, it's just part of my normal life now, like, hopefully that's going to hold those things off longer and longer, live a a longer and happier life, um, you know, and not worry about little things like, am I going to be able to get up up out of bed today? Yeah. You know, am I going to be able to, I have to call 911 for them to pick me up off the toilet, you know, off the floor because I fell. I mean, and, and these are all things that I've I've seen, yeah, and, I'm sure. and done. Yeah, um, well, and like, hopefully they can fall off the toilet and call nine one one. Well, I haven't, but I've had to respond to those okay. on the opposite side, right? Um, you know, and so, and that's that's kind of the thing that sucks about public safety work is you always see people at their worst and their lowest, and you, and and the worst people um, at so their worst and lowest. Yeah, that sucks, man. Uh, 
Would you say that they're mostly physically fit, the people that you encounter on a daily basis? Like the public? Yeah, the public, man. No. Would you say that they're physically fit? No. Okay. Would you say the health's in decline? Yes. Okay. And again, remember, I'm only dealing with a small percentage. Oh, yeah, of for sure. I mean, this is your perspective, sir. I mean, like, each person has their own perspective. If you live in a town of 100, that's your reference point. Right. But like, let's just look at it strictly from, like, the EMS standpoint. I mean, the people that are, for the most part, the people that are calling you are the people who are already in poor physical fitness, and that's why they're having all their medical problems. So naturally, most of the people that EMS providers see are people who are in declining health. Because a healthy individual doesn't need to call 911 because I'm not having a heart attack. I'm not stuck between the toilet and the counter. Oh, <laughs> um, I mean, it's not funny because no, it actually no, happens. It it's sucks. very sad. I can um, imagine it. That's why it sucks, man. But even, even from the law enforcement standpoint, you know, a, a large number of people that I encounter are, you know, homeless or they're on, you know, you can tell they're on drugs or they're, you know, they're drinking all the time. Um, and you just see the state of people, you know, I, I, a lot of people I wouldn't say are physically fit. And then even the people who aren't in that category are, they're the, the victim of a theft or something. You know, there's, there's so much obesity in the United States. And like we talked about, it's linked back to the diet and the type of food we're intaking. Um, and you just, you kind of know where everything's trending. And, you know, you hope people make some priorities and get better for themselves. Because, I, you know, I think everybody, those 1%, everybody getting better, that makes your entire community society better too because you know what what happens when we have what happens when the obesity rate increases we have an increase in cardiovascular issues and all cause mortality you know diabetic issues higher mortality rate so what does that do on the EMS side well now we have more people that are out of shape and obese which means there's a higher need for EMS which means that there's more demand we have to pay more to provide these services, which means there's more taxes being levied and because you, you got to pay for all these things. Yeah, what, special bariatric everything? Right. And, you know, whether it's it's uh, municipal funded or provided or private EMS or, or now the EMS bills are going up if it's not tax funded. Um, I mean, all these things are going up and now they have to call the fire department more often because we have more 300 plus pound patients they have to get so now the fire department is more tied up on these calls and you know so the fire department's going to more calls and now they need more people to cover more things because emergency i don't people are talking about defunding the police or any other public sector work calls for service are continually right the the population is increasing Mm -hmm. and health and wellness is going down and there are more calls for service constantly you cannot solve that by having less first responders you know you, you don't solve you know we have we have 20 you know this ambulance can handle 20 calls a day or whatever it is mm-hmm. you know you don't solve that by okay well tomorrow we're gonna have 30 but we're only gonna staff you know half the amount of ambulances on you know to cover the same like you can't you cannot do more with less it does not work mm-hmm. you cannot do more with less and it's the same thing I don't know what you want to get into it but it's the same thing with law enforcement sure. they talk about defunding the police and again 
new law enforcement officer. You're not a proponent? I'm not a proponent of defunding the police. Would you say that uh, all of the money being funded to the police is adequately being used? Um, that's a tough question. I, just I, I think so because from, from what I see, there's not enough money. Uh, I, they want to they defund the police to take things away, uh, but they want us to be better. They also want the police that are still here to be better officers. Well, how do you have better officers when there's no time for training? Yeah. How, how do you have training when there's no money for training? Um, how how is it? How am I a better officer if I have to sprint around the city going to a hundred different calls, and I'm only giving half my attention to every single one of them versus you have a decreased workload and you're able to give more attention and more direction into hmm. each individual call? Um, so adequate and this adequate staffing covers so not just law enforcement, but like I said. EMS and firefighting, and I'm sure so many other jobs, but adequate staffing, because we, we don't, we can't predict, um, you know, it's, it's not like a, a factory where we know, okay, we got to make 100,000 of these parts. Like, I don't know how many calls are going to come out tomorrow. So I, I it's hard. Accidents happen. Right. <laughs> we don't know how many people are going to get robbed tomorrow. We'll just factor in some accidents tomorrow. Right. Um, so, you know, so we're working off averages, um, but, but yeah, it, Having a better police force is, is having a better trained force, which means you have to put more money into it and you have to have more officers um, because burnout in public safety type jobs is a real thing. As we've seen recent people and uh, the burnout and those mental declines and yeah. having make wrong decisions. We all, we've all been privy to those lately. Absolutely. And I, you will not... I don't think you're going to find anyone else that is a bigger proponent for policing the police when it comes to somebody did something wrong and like they're, you know, they need to fade. They absolutely, I'm not, I'm not out here trying to say that they need to like, Oh, we're just going to sweep that under the rug. Absolutely not. Everybody, nobody gets to hide from the law. You know, everybody's bound to the same law. Um, now if the law needs to be changed, change it. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. People, like, you know, a lot of people don't like, like police officers on scene because of like what we're enforcing. I, I don't make police. The police don't make the laws. You know, we're, we're bound to enforce them. Well. Mm -hmm. um, so if there's certain laws and things like people have to go talk to the representatives and, and levy and lobby for, mm -hmm. you know, for that type of change. Yeah. What I think is interesting in the, in the current climate is people are seeing uh, the type of laws that are enacted and are, are in place and, and I think there's room for improvement everywhere. You know, there's there's many things and many standards and practices that are completely different across the board in the entire United States. I mean, I'm yeah. guaranteed you've had, you know, a couple different firefighter jobs, and those are different, right? Absolutely. And all, you know, whether it's geographically or, you know, just because we're in different states or different regions of the country, municipalities are different. Yeah. Um, you know, every, every city and township and county all has different needs and have different problems so where my city might have an ordinance on one thing you know a, a city in northern michigan may not have an ordinance on that because it's not a reoccurring issue that they face all the time um, so every place is different because um, you know, like i said this the other day i think i don't think most people actually like even the people that are out there like i know the laws and i understand that you know i, I don't think most people really do um, I think there's a select few of people Lawyers. that actually 
And even lawyers are, well, I mean, lawyers are experts at evading the law and, you know, making it subject to question that one. It's true. Yeah, so it does. A, and that's, it's so hard for there to not be loopholes in things. Yeah, but I mean, by and large, you're out there facing the law and you're being the law and you're trying to lay it down, right? And that's that's hard to do. It's hard to do for anybody. And in, in having, you know, a, a cognitive decline or not being physically fit, those things can make a huge difference. You know, whether you do your job correctly or you do your job okay, or you don't Absolutely. do your job at all. Absolutely. Thank you. <sighs> I'm trying to think, man. Like, what what advice would you give to someone who's just starting? police work like they're, they're thinking about getting into it yeah, or, yeah. okay um, do your research okay. know uh, know what you're looking for what you're looking to get into um, know that it's you know especially right now it's a difficult time to get into because the you know public opinion uh, decline of opinion for law enforcement right now <clears throat> uh Know the community you think you, you know, every community has different um, issues and different problems and, you know, different advantages. Uh, so, you know, do the research, understand all the steps of the process. And the big thing is knowing that once you get done with the police academy, like, that ain't, it, that, like, that's not it. You know, you, when you get done with the police academy, you don't know anything. You're just like, you're just like, oh. The best thing out there is a good FTO program. But even after that's done, uh, so that's field training. Um, even after that's done, it's going to be continued learning because laws are always changing. Um, how police departments work are always changing. Your interaction with the community is always going to be changing. Um, so always staying. You, you can't just, just learn. Stay ahead. Yeah, you can't just learn it and then that's it. It's, good. it's not always going to be there. It's good. It's going to constantly change. So understanding that and knowing. 25, 30 years of learning. Nice. Always learning. Always learning. And if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Well, that makes sense, right? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound like it makes sense, but it makes sense. I mean, especially if everything is changing, are you changing with it? Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to think about that. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see. I don't know, man. Plus, I'm out there. What are you thinking about? Life is hard. Life is hard, man. Yeah, I mean, that's why you gotta work hard. You gotta keep pushing. There's, uh, there's always gonna be struggles. Struggles. You know, I mean, it could be work, career, personal life, medical issues, family. It could be so many different things. Um, but you gotta, you gotta keep pushing. You know, things, things aren't always gonna be the way they are right now. So if things are bad, they're gonna get better. But you gotta things aren't you know things aren't just gonna fall into your lap. You gotta you gotta work for stuff. You gotta set yourself up for success, um, and that's back to the goals we talked about yeah, and physical fitness. You know, you gotta make. Hey man, this last part I just want to dedicate to uh, just talking about muscle ups, man. Muscle ups. All right. Well, yeah. let's talk. Since you mentioned that. Give a little, uh, little insight into setting goals and working hard. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I went to Europe in uh, 2018 with the National Guard. We didn't do crap, so. so what does Europe mean? Uh, I was in Eastern Europe, so Romania, Bulgaria. Okay. Uh, Just wanted we to were, a little bit. So I went as a firefighter in the Guard, and uh, we protected these, protected, uh, this military installation, which are all, all the buildings are made out of concrete and everything's sprinkled, so like fire hazard is pretty low. Okay, so you were useless. <laughs> pretty much. Um, so what did you do? There, there was a lot of time for physical fitness, mm-hmm. and I dedicated, I worked out more there than I ever did anywhere else, and uh, it was great. And I had absolutely had the time to make goals and get those little progressive so one of the goals I had, um, well, I started out with like, I think it was handstands. I was trying to get better at handstands and handstand push-ups, and finally like, I was trying to do handstand walking, and like, I was just on this like, I don't know, this, one of those like fighting pads, and I was just, it'd be in the gym, and I was just like, going upside down, and just like falling over, over, and over, and over. How many times you hit your face? Uh, you know, not, I don't think I hit my face at all, but I mean, it's just falling over a lot, trying to find, find your balance. And eventually I got it and I started getting better and better and I kept doing it. And then one of my next goals was I was like, I want to do muscle up. Because, uh, you know, we, we didn't talk about it, but I think CrossFit is a great option for uh, working out. Yeah. So I don't, it's not necessarily for everybody, but it's, it's it very... It can be. It can be. It's very scalable. Just because you can't do all the crazy things they're doing in the CrossFit games, that's fine. I can't either. The CrossFit games is not CrossFit. It, that's like Part the... Greg Glassman. That's like the very, very... Like that is the things. pinnacle. Like that is yeah. the special that's not, That is the yeah. the best best of the best. Yeah, yeah. You go to and I'm, I'm sure people see it, it's very intimidating. Like it's not like that when you go to a CrossFit. Gym no, or box. totally different. Um, Everyone's there. So I started working on trying to do muscle ups and like it's just kind of a mess. And so like I couldn't do them and uh, I just uh, I started doing a lot of like chest bar pull ups. So you're pulling higher. And it was actually it was shortly after I came back from. It was like a couple of weeks. Um, I got a little bit of coaching at the gym in my hometown, and then uh, I was able. I did my first muscle up. I was like, "That is so cool!" And then I just again, I was like, "Oh, I didn't just do it once, and I'm gonna have it forever because now you lose it." You do. And uh, yeah, so trying to chain muscle ups together and tearing your hands, you know, it's always you, fun. So you got the bar muscle ups now? You know, I haven't done one in a long time because but you were good. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever done ring muscle ups? I have, and those are very, those are a lot different. Oh, yeah. Uh, I do not, I have not done a whole lot of ring work, period. Um, I need to do more of it. Uh, but, yeah, I, did, I was able to do, get some ring muscle-ups, uh, but I wasn't, like, chaining them together. But that was right before I left the last gym I was at. That was one of the things I was working on was trying to progress from the bar muscle-up to the ring muscle-up. Because that, you know. It's completely different. <laughs> yeah. Gym, well, and then, like, back to, you know, that's more of a gymnastic movement, but gymnastics goes along with what we were talking about with mobility. Uh, flexibility, flexibility and mobility. That is so much, like, a friend of mine, uh, I worked out with her, and at the end, she's like, well, let's, let's do some yoga. I was like, oh. And I was like, I hate yoga. But then I was like, I don't ever do this type of stuff. I mean, I, like, stretch and do some mobility stuff, but, like, yoga is, I know it's good. It's very is good for you, um, but again, even people that work out generally don't do enough mobility and flexibility and stretching. So it's, it is very important. So she did some yoga and changed the world. 
I mean, it was there was a couple things I'd never done there before. Kind of made my hamstring real tight, but I don't know. I, I need to do more of it. I did some this morning. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Opened up my hips. Do you get like the nice like cruciate bone? Yeah, well, that comes with the thing. So what do what what do you even do with yoga blocks? Yoga block. Oh, it's to like set yourself up to so like if you can't reach something, it's it's in the way to like help it out. But sometimes Mm -hmm. if you go full into a stretch and you're trying to like touch the ground with your head and doing some like weird position, there's a lot of leeway in there, and like you can deepen that stretch too fast, and so you want to have that block in there to hold yourself up, Mm -hmm. so you don't overly stretch your muscle immediately. So you want to ease into it, not just try to break yourself so that's what yoga box fun man honestly man i really think of muscle ups as one thing muscle ups save lives yeah muscle ups save lives man you're, you ever seen movies think about movies man bad guys always start like <laughs> yeah. you know chasing somebody and the good guys falling yeah. off a cliff right they gotta pull just themselves dangling up there a real, a real one that comes to the mind. I was telling my wife about this. Uh, her favorite movie is Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Okay. We were watching that the other day, and then Gandalf, his old ass, uh, was fighting the Belrog. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Down and in the mines of Moria. Yeah. yeah. So he was in the mines, and the, the the bridge broke, and he grabbed on. Fly, you fools! <laughs> Instead of <coughs> muscle up, get the hell out of there with the rest of them. No, no, no. He couldn't hold himself up, so he just let go. Um, that's a very good point because uh, being able to get up and over things, um, especially buildings, right, military, public safety type stuff, uh, is very important. And there's actually, you mentioned that, I've seen a video, there's a, I'm not sure what fire department it is, but it's in France. And there, every day when you show up to your ship, you have to put your, your turnout gear on. The heavy ship, right? Yeah, it's not... It's just the, the turnout gear. There's no air pack on. But you're adding, I mean, probably 30 some It's pounds. the big yellow suit. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there's a ledge, and you have to get, up, get up. Like, you have to, like, jump up and grab it, and you have to get up on it. Like, so you essentially have to do a muscle-up with another 35 pounds of gear on. And if you can't do it, then you have to go home. Damn. So I like that. Yeah. And what's that? That's a gate. That's a gate to access, right? You got to... Yeah, there's so Take. much. Uh, I could I could go on a tangent about this. Yeah, let's go. Uh, there's, because well, something that burns me is a lot of police and fire departments don't have recurring annual physical fitness tests, um, and it's it's the one point of contention I have with a lot of the unions, um, because they're they're worried about protecting the membership, and I'm I'm fine with that, but at the same time. Aren't you protecting the membership of your union more by making sure that your coworkers are fit for duty? Um, right. And That's then, definitely you know, a term, and, fit and, for and, duty. And again, that that in itself, if if we're encouraging healthy and more fit uh, coworkers, then they're going to make it to retirement. You know, especially if you work somewhere that has a pension, or like if they have to work longer and they don't have a pension. Um, they're going to make it to retirement and then still be healthy enough to enjoy retirement of, instead of just working until they die. Yeah. Or dying before that. Right. right. Like <laughs> they, they die before, before they even intend to retire. Yeah. Uh, which happens a lot. And, and if you look at the statistics, the average like life expectancy of a police officer after retirement is like five to ten years. What? Yeah. Holy crap, dude. Yeah. It, well, what, what's the cost? Um, 
So I think... Don't um, tell me it's suicide, bro. Uh, suicide rate amongst uh, first responders is relatively high. Okay. Um, you know, divorce rates amongst first responders oh, is very high. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, people's bodies get beat up and then they get lazy and tired of taking care of them. So their fitness declines... Um, and I, I don't know the numbers, no, I mean, statistics yeah. to be to be sure. But I think also a part of it too is when you've done something for so long. Um, it, it, I think it's the same as a lot of guys talk about, like why it's difficult to get out of the military and just transition to the civilian world. Sense of purpose. Sense of purpose. You've done one thing, and then now you don't know how to adjust, and you don't know what to do. Um, so I think I think that's a, a big part of it, and that's something you know for new officers. I or any officer, I would like, hey, think about this. You know, do you have do you have friends that are not cops? You know, or do you have friends that are not military? Do you do things outside of what? What are you gonna do when you retire? Are you gonna, are you gonna still work? Are you gonna do you just like to work and you're gonna work somewhere else that makes you happy? Um, you know, are you gonna go travel the world with your wife? You know, or whatever. I hope or travel the world and find a wife. I don't know. God, you used to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already hooked up. <laughs> No, man, I, I really do appreciate uh, law enforcement officers. And I, I was, you know, very, very, uh, I don't know, I was very blessed to find the CrossFit gym in San Diego where I used to live. And there was so many police officers that went, you know, it's right talking. Anyways, so there's so many police officers that went, and, and I had uh, so many good experiences with them. And that's really hard for a lot of people is because they don't get that good experience yeah. with a police officer. And, you know, set and setting is so important. Like you were telling earlier, is if you, uh, if you only deal with them, people like yourself in the worst scenario, when you're at your worst day, like what do you expect? I mean, you're, right. you're gonna you're gonna be judging everything a little bit differently. And, and I see, uh, and I always had great interactions with the uh, law enforcement and homeland security people, and it, everyone, everyone military would always go to a CrossFit gym because it was a, it was seemed like a place of higher learning for people who had hard lives, mm. and so it was like a, a physical learning place. Yeah. And everyone went there, and the, everyone suffered equally, and, and they came out better people, and, and everyone recognized that in each other. And, and that's something to me that I really like to like to see with uh, law enforcement people is, like, them trying so hard. And I see that personally, and I'm like, man, if I see them working this hard in the gym for themselves, I can only imagine what they're doing out there in the public. And, you know, to me, that brings joy in my heart because I see real sense of accomplishment, you know, probably tears in my eyes because – I love accomplishments. I love people Absolutely. who get their goals and take that win, not take that L to the face. You know, if they do, I hope they learn something from that. Right. I mean, you get knocked down, you get back up again. Yeah. And you get the you get the W tomorrow. Yeah, always. Absolutely. Damn, bro. Well, this has been awesome. I hope yeah. uh, the video Thank turns you. Thank out. You for me on. Yeah, bro. It's gonna be again. We're gonna do it the, the right way this time. <laughs> it seems like a, a recurring thing of I can't get my camera figured out, but uh, hey. it's gonna work out. Get back up, take the, get the W yeah, tomorrow. Dude, that's fine, bro. I'll take the W next time.